Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Miranda Cox, and I'm the Women's Director here at Rolling Hills. It's week six of our series, Refine, where we have been diving into the seven deadly sins and discovering how we can fight those sins with truth. Today, the sin we're zeroing in on is envy, or that feeling of discontentment or resentment caused by someone else's possessions, qualities, life situation, the list goes on. God doesn't want us to live in this place of envy. He's given us life to the full found in Him, and we can fight envy with gratitude and contentment found in Christ alone. It's time we started fighting, so join us as we learn how to do that today. We're so glad you're here. Good morning, church. My name is Brandon Billups. If you don't know me, I am the college and adults pastor here. Um, I just started in January, but I've been at Rolling Hills for the past five years um, doing student ministry before that. But um, now I'm doing college and adults. And um, I want to start just by saying some of you may not even know that we have a college and young adults program. We meet every single Thursday night. Um, 7 to 8.30. So if that's you, if you are a college adult, 18 to 29, um, one, you should come out. We have a lot of fun. We eat food together. We uh, study God's word together. We play games together. But also, I'm going to be down here after the service. I would love to meet you as well. Um, so enough shameless promotion about the young adults ministry. Um, there's free food. Um, we are in a series called Refine, and we've been going through, I think this is week six, um, of this series, and I'm going to start by talking about an illustration that Jeff has been using that is so, so good, and I'm just going to steal it and reuse it because it's so good. He talked about a goldsmith when he's, a goldsmith is refining gold and burning off the impurities in the gold. He knows that gold is finally finished, finally refined when he can see his reflection in the gold. And this is exactly what God is doing with us when he is refining us. This is what Jesus is doing when, when he is refining us. We're trying to look more and more like Jesus. We've been talking about the seven deadly sins. Um, it's important to remember that these are the seven deadly sins, but all sin is deadly. Um, these are called the seven deadly sins because they're the root sins that all other sins come from. One of the things I love about this series, though, is we're not just talking about the sin and saying, stop that. Like, hey, lust, stop it. Hey, you know, gluttony, stop it. Hey, no, we're going, we're saying, hey, here's what the other side looks like. Here's where God can bring you. And this is important. This is actually going to be your first um, blank today. It's, it's to remove a sin from your life. You need to replace it with something better. To remove a sin from your life, you need to replace it with something better. And that something better is always Jesus. And Jesus is the one who brings us to the other side. He's the one that brings us 
to love, to delight, to ambition, to moderation, and on and on you go with each of these different weeks. But today we're talking about envy. Envy to contentment. Envy to contentment. Have you ever felt envious? Most of us, if we're being honest, we definitely absolutely have. This is actually the perfect week to talk about envy because literally like most of Williamson County has gone down to the beach and they're hanging out on the beach and they're gonna be posting these awesome vacation photos all week long. And if I'm being honest, I'm a little envious that they're at the beach um, and I'm not at the beach. But what's interesting about envy is it doesn't really matter where you end up, you can still envy the next level, right? So like, I'm envious of those who are at Gulf Shores and the people at Gulf Shores are envious of the people at 30A and the people at 30A are envious of the people in California. People in California are envious of the people in the Bahamas and the parents who took their kids to Disney World are envious of the people that stayed home. (laughs) Some of you parents just felt that on a very real level. But this is it, right? We all feel this sometimes, this envy. And maybe it's it's deeper than that. It's, It's you got passed up for a promotion that you thought you deserved and that you wanted, but someone else got it. And maybe there's nothing even wrong with the person that got it other than the fact that they got what you want and they're the person that stood in the way of you getting it. And so now maybe some resentment has built up towards that person. Maybe there's a little part of you rooting for that person to fail so you can go, I told you, I was the right choice. Maybe there's a skill or an attribute that you wish you had that you don't have. I wish I could sing. Um, I wish I could get up here with the worship team every week and just like rock out with them. They're incredible, but I can't sing. And I know I can't sing because I've heard my voice, I've heard their voice, and I've compared them. They're not the same. They're not on the same level. And so I've got two choices. I can either dislike them because they have what I want, or I could celebrate them for the way God has made them. So I've chosen to dislike them. (laughs) I'm kidding, I love them. Um, Aristotle said it this way, envy is pain at the sight of another's good fortune, stirred by those who have what we ought to have. What others have that we ought to have. So maybe there's people in your life and you go, man, why can't I look like that? Or maybe someone's like, why, why did they get that car, that job, that life? Maybe you've got a neighbor whose, whose house looks like Chip and Joanna threw up inside of it. You're like, why, that didn't look like my house. Maybe other people have better behaved kids. Or you're out there, maybe you're living a little bit vicariously through your kids, and you're like, man, why is that kid better at sports than my kid? Envy. You know, there's... There's situations where maybe you're, you're happy with the salary you have until you find out what a colleague made. Then all of a sudden you're no longer happy with that salary. Envy, there's so many different examples of how we can become envious and resentful towards other people. But today, here's what I want us to do. As we look into God's word, into scripture, we're gonna see what God's word has to say and how he can take us from envy to contentment, a life of peace and contentment. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna dive in to God's word. God, we love you. We ask you that you open up your word to us today, that you would speak to us. 
um, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, God, and that you would lead us from envy into contentment, God. God, let me get out of the way and just speak to every single one of us in only the way that you can, God. is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we are in Proverbs today, Proverbs 14, 30. Here's what it says. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And so you can see the comparison here of, 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 a, of a heart with like life, right? Like you're living, you're, you're happy, you're joyful, there's life, or man, it's, it's rotting you from the inside out, and that's what envy can do. You ever notice that some people just seem like they just have a light in their eyes? Like you can just, every time you see them, you're like, they are filled with joy, they are filled with love, they are filled with life. You can just see it in their eyes, right? It's like the inside's coming out. I, I think that's a heart of peace. I, I think what you're seeing is people are at a heart of peace, but on the flip side, maybe you can, you can also see in people's eyes, and be like, oh man, they're they're struggling. I don't know what it is, but they're struggling with something. There's something on the inside struggling. And we can see in this verse, it says, envy rots the bones. It drains you from the inside out. It hurts you, not the person you're envious of. It hurts you. There's a quote, and I don't know who said it because it's attributed to like 12 people, but here's what it says. It says, resentment is drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. Drinking poison and hoping someone else dies because it doesn't hurt that person, it only hurts you. And so today I wanna to accomplish three things. I wanna talk about the cause, the cost, and the cure of envy. And we're gonna start with the cause. Why do we feel this? And we're gonna jump over to James 3, 13 through 16. Here's what it says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. James, by the way, is a book of the Bible that is very much a refining book of the Bible. It's not, hey, do these things and God will love you, right? We are saved by grace and grace alone, but this is a book. It's James saying, hey, if you want to be more like Jesus, do these things. And that's what this whole series is about, it's about being refined. And he starts here by asking this question, who is wise and understanding among you? You can imagine being in a big room asking that question and people raising their hands like, oh yeah, it's me. I'm the wise one. Here's, here's what he says. Listen, show it by your good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Here's your next blank. Wisdom is always shown through humility. Wisdom is always shown through humility. I know we're hitting pride and humility next week, but as you're gonna find out, all of these sins are connected to pride. All of these sins are connected to humility and to, and to each other, and envy is no exception. So what does this look like? It looks like, hey, I don't need that fancy car to make me feel worthy. I don't need that promotion to make me feel worthy. I don't need that achievement, that thing, that stuff, that status to make me feel worthy. Look at verse 14, it said, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom 
does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So we can see there is a type of wisdom that does not come from God, and it's unspiritual and demonic. So there is an earthly wisdom that is unspiritual and demonic. So, so what might some of this wisdom look like that we see from the world? Some that just comes right to my head is like, follow your heart. Follow your heart, or, or this is my truth, right? You hear that a lot, this is my truth, or karma would be uh, wisdom of the world. Or, or for envy, it might look like I deserve that. I deserve whatever that thing is. Or, or maybe the, it's someone else failing is gonna make me feel better. It's gonna make me feel whole. It's gonna prove that I was right. And that's what's gonna finally make me feel worthy. Look at verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have disorder and every evil practice. Disorder and evil practice come from envy and selfish ambition. This is a telling verse because you can kind of turn this backwards. And if there's a place in your life where you were seeing disorder, dysfunction, Whatever it is, you can probably trace it back to some kind of envy or selfish ambition in your life or in somebody else. You know, selfish ambition, like not being grateful for what God has done in our lives or believing that stuff, things, material, whatever it is, will finally make us happy. Have you noticed that all of the seven deadly sins are about me? Right, like every single one is selfish. Ever like lust, what can you do for me? Gluttony, I want to indulge for me. Greed, I want more for me. Comfort or a sloth, I need comfort. I want to sleep. I want to do what I want to do. Wrath, how dare you treat me that way? How dare you disrespect me? And then envy, that should be my car, my thing, my stuff, my spouse, my house, my whatever, fill in the blank. That should be mine. That's what envy is. They're all about me. Envy and selfish ambition is tied to every disorder and every evil practice. So what's the cost? Because you might say, hey, envy doesn't hurt anybody. Well, it hurts you. It costs you something. And so it costs, I'm gonna point out three things that it costs. The first thing is this, it costs your joy. Number one, envy costs you your joy. Theodore Roosevelt said this, comparison is the thief of joy. And comparison in and of itself isn't terrible because you can compare yourself to someone else even find yourself inadequate and still celebrate that person and the way that God has gifted them and wired them. But when it turns to resentment, that's when it starts to become envy and sinful and selfish. It steals your joy. I, uh, I was a basketball player in high school and basketball tryouts is always an interesting thing. Because basketball tryouts, you know you're being judged, you know you're being compared to every single other person. So you want to do really well, but you also want other people to fail. You want the other guy to miss the shot, right? Because it makes you look better. Look at John 10.10, 10. it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, said I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Your joy is stolen when you envy and when you live in that envy because your heart is no longer at peace. Your heart is no longer at peace. And what's interesting about Theodore Roosevelt's quote is he said that before social media was invented. 
I was talking to Jacob Scripture this past week, our discipleship pastor, and he said, we, we literally walk around with little envy machines in our pockets. We do. And, and, and you may know all the stats. Yeah, you've probably heard them by now, the fact that um, social media causes depression, it causes anxiety. You go through and you're scrolling through and you're seeing everybody's highlight reel and you're comparing it to your flaws and your weakness and it makes you feel bad. But even when you know this, it doesn't change what's happening when you do it. Uh, just this past month, you know, I told you, I, in January, I became the College and Young Adults pastor, so I started following all of these College and Young Adults pages. So I'm like, all right, let's see how the best ministries in the country are doing it. You know, what can we emulate? Like, let's see. As I start following all these different ones, I'm going, wow, how do I ever get our group here? Look, think of thousands of people coming every single week. And I started feeling this weight and this depression coming on me. And finally, like, like, thank goodness, I kind of snapped out. I was like, whoa, I've been doing this for like a month. But man, it, I was envying and it was stealing my joy. Number two, envy compromises your love for people. Envy compromises your love for people. 1 Corinthians 13, four, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. As followers of Jesus, we're called to do what Jesus did, which is to love everybody, right? We say it all, all the time around here. It's one of our mottos, love everyone always. We are not being refined. We're not looking like Jesus if we are picking and choosing who we decide to love. He, Jesus would go as far to say, you need to love your enemies. And maybe that's how some of these people that you're envious of feel in your life. You know, one of the big symptoms of envy is rooting for someone else to fail, which means the flip side of that would mean you're celebrating people for their accomplishments, for their gifts, for, for the way God has blessed them. You're celebrating other people. What would it look like if we were all people that just celebrated everyone we came in contact with? Even the person that got something that you wanted and you celebrated them for that. You know what's interesting? None of us, are gonna run into anybody today or this week or this month that is over-encouraged. We're not, right? Like there's no one we're gonna run into that has been over-encouraged and doesn't need any more encouragement. And you might think, hey, well, I know some pretty, you know, arrogant people out there. The truth is all that comes from insecurity, right? There's no one that you're gonna come in contact with that is over-encouraged. We need to be a people that encourage, that love, that celebrates the way Jesus did. Then number three, envy denies your uniqueness. Envy denies your uniqueness. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do so every single one of us knit in our mother's womb made on purpose for a purpose. God has literally created good works in advance for you and for your life as you live here in this time, in this place. But we want to spend our time looking at everybody else and going, oh, but I wish I had that. I wish I looked like that. Maybe I'd be happy if I had that. We have to stop wasting our energy envying someone else's life when you could focus on the purpose that God has set for your life. 
Because God has set a purpose for your life. This one's not in your notes, but envy misguides your worship. It misguides your worship. So instead of saying, God, I know you said that you are the one that's gonna bring joy. You're the one that's gonna bring satisfaction to my life. You're the one that said you came to give us life to the full. But I really feel like if I had that, that would give me life to the full. I really feel like if I looked like that, that would give me life to the full. If I got that achievement, promotion, if people praise me like they're praising that person, that would give me life to the full. It misguides our worship. Envy is a thief. It steals your joy, your energy, your uniqueness. It steals your gratitude. It makes love impossible, and it misguides your worship. This brings us to the cure, right? We want to get to contentment. That's where we're trying to get. That's where God has called us to live in this heart of peace, a life of contentment. Um, So we're going to talk about what contentment is, and then we're going to talk about a few things we can do to get there. Um, Let's go to Philippians 4, 11 through 13. This is Paul um, writing a letter to the church in Philippi. He said, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. There's our weight room verse, our sports verse, the one put on every squat rack at every Christian school in the world. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. But this is all about contentment. Paul's saying, I've got the secret, and it's Jesus. The secret is Jesus. And Paul, by the way, is writing this from prison. He is writing this in prison saying, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty, to be well-fed, to be hungry, to live in plenty like I did when I was persecuting Christians, and to live in want like I am right now in prison. And what's interesting right here about Paul is Paul is in change, but he is also free because he's got a heart of peace. And he wasn't content because of a promotion he got or money or stuff or things or he finally got that achievement. He was content because he had Jesus. I spent a lot of time this week as as I was studying, looking up like how to be content and, and things about contentment. And man, Google is filled with articles on how to be content right? And it's like, hey, how to be, you know, 10 ways to be content, uh, seven ways to find happiness, uh, five ways in 2022 to be your most content self. Like there's all these different articles out there. And honestly, they have a lot of good stuff. They've got a lot of good advice and things that help, you know, things like, um, hey, take control of your attitude. Think of those who have less than you. Don't compare yourself to others. Find joy in the little things. And they're all good, but they're incomplete. Because at the end of the day, you can read as many self-help books as you want. But if you don't have Jesus, you won't have contentment. It always comes from Jesus. Contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. So how do we get there? How do we get to this place of contentment, this heart of peace? I've just got a couple things. The first one is this. We need to operate in heavenly wisdom, not in earthly wisdom. We need to operate in heavenly wisdom, not in earthly wisdom. It's, it's this. It's the Bible. This is where we get this wisdom from. We read a passage in James earlier about 
um, earthly wisdom being unspiritual and demonic. Here's what the next verse says about heavenly wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Look at that, peace-loving, considerate, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. It's, it's a lot of it is kindness, which is the next thing that we need to practice. And kindness places the, the desire to help others above the need to supersede them. Kindness places the desire to help others above the need to supersede them. So how can you be kind to the person that you envy? Some of you today, as we've been talking about envy, as we've been talking through specific examples, people have popped into your head. That's not an accident. That's the Holy Spirit. And I think what God is doing is God's calling you to say, hey, you need to be kind to this person. You need to love this person. You need to encourage this person. You need to celebrate this person. And maybe it all starts by praying for that person, letting God soften your heart towards that person, being kind. And then the last thing is this, we need to practice gratitude. We need to practice gratitude. Notice I said practice, because I do think it's a habit that we need to form, where we are daily practicing gratitude. Um, right now, there is a, uh, a group from our church going to the Amazon on a mission trip, and here's what they're doing. They're living on a hammock boat. They're going down the Amazon River, um, to, and they're going to these villages in the jungle, and they're stopping at different villages and getting off, and they're sharing the gospel, praying for people. They're bringing medical care for those that don't have it because they live in the jungle. They are going from house to house and trying to share the gospel and pray for people and meet people. They're doing stuff for kids. They're doing all kinds of ministry. I went on this trip um, three years ago. Incredible trip. If you have not been on one of our international mission trips, highly suggest you go, not even for like what you can do for others, but what that will do for you and your heart and your worldview um, for people. It's an incredible trip. Life's transforming. Um, but three years ago, I was there and I was part of the team that was going and doing home visits, um, which is definitely the most like anxiety ridden one for me. And so I'm going from like house to house to meet strangers um, in this Amazon village and there's a group of us and we're going to pray and minister to people to share the gospel and just to, hoping they're receptive to it. Um, we did this in a lot of different villages um, and they're normally, we normally spend 20, 30 minutes at a house, but this one day was different. We got to another village, we only ended up going to one house and it was absolutely a God-ordained moment and not in the way that I thought. We got to this house and there's a man named Sebastian sitting on the front porch. And he said, or we were like, hey, we told him who we were. Could we talk to you for a second? And he said, yeah, I, I've actually, I've been sitting here because I'm waiting for you. God told me you were gonna come. And we were like, well, what? He's like, yeah, I had a vision last night. I had a dream and God told me you guys were coming. So I'm here to talk to you guys. We ended up spending over two hours on this man's front porch not as we ministered to him, but as he ministered to us. And there was, there was a student with us that week who had recently lost his dad. And he opened up for the first time to Sebastian, this man that we just met that didn't even speak the same language as us. And, and Sebastian prayed over him, encouraged him, spoke truth over him. 
And, and we kept talking um, and getting to know Sebastian. And I asked him, I was like, hey, how did you come to know Jesus? Like we're out here hours down the Amazon river. You can only get here by boat. How did you learn about Jesus? He said, a missionary came here 30 years ago, gave me this Portuguese Bible. And he's got his Bible out this whole time. And it is just ratted up, messed up. You can tell it is well used, just falling apart. And maybe you've heard the old Charles Spurgeon quote that a Bible that's falling apart normally belongs to somebody who isn't. Um, this was absolutely the case with Sebastian. And he goes on to just start bragging on God, just boasting on God saying, look how amazing God is. Look how much God has blessed my life. And, and keep in mind, we're sitting on his front porch of this shack and there's windows, but there's no glass on the windows. Like animals and bugs in the middle of the Amazon can go in and out as they please. And he is just bragging on the way God has blessed him. He's like, listen, God provided enough that I could build a church in this village. Uh, he's provided, he's like, look over here. I've got three boat motors. God has blessed me immensely. It was a reminder to me. I learned so much from Sebastian about contentment. It doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from situation. It came from Jesus for him. It came from Jesus. And for me, when I think about the way God has blessed me, when I think about my life, when I think about my family and my kids and, and my life and all the hard times I've been through, the, the tough times, the scary times, the stressful times, and God has brought me through it, the way he has provided and healed in so many different ways in my life. When I am in that place, there is no room left for envy in my heart because I'm just so filled with gratitude for God and who he is and the way that he has provided for me and my family. When I think about the way that like the God of the universe wants a relationship with me, like I know me, <laughs> I know my weaknesses, I know my flaws, I know my struggles and the God of the universe wants a relationship with me. The fact that Jesus came to this earth to die for me, the, the fact that when Jesus was on that cross, he knew about all the sins that I was going to commit and said, you're worth it. If I have Jesus, what do I have to be envious of? Let's pray. God, I just come before you today, just proclaiming your goodness, your faithfulness, God, I pray for all of us in this room, God, that you would take our hearts and you would move it from envy to contentment. God, if there's someone in this room today that has been struggling with this sin, struggling with envy and resentment towards people, God, God, I pray you'd convict, but you'd also help move them with your love towards contentment so that we could all live with a heart of peace. God, help us to be to have gratitude in our lives, to be thankful for so many different ways and so many different things that you have done for us, God. God, today, as we continue in worship, I just pray that you would be glorified, that you would be praised. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you liked this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, 
Rolling Hills Women's As You Go podcasts, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.